Whew. Well, um, just a public service announcement uh, before we kind of jump into things this morning. So, so next Sunday, okay, July 3rd. So next Sunday, repeat that after me. Next Sunday, say that with me. Next Sunday is Freedom Sunday, okay? Meaning there's no church next Sunday, okay? When, what Sunday? Next Sunday. Okay, so, so don't forget that. Put that on your calendar. You know, no church next Sunday. We take that Sunday off. Be with your friends, your family. Take a day of rest. Enjoy the day off. And uh, now, there's going to be some of you that are going to forget, okay? We're going to put it on social media. There's going to be some people who weren't here this week. They didn't, they didn't get the memo. They're not going to see the social media. And they'll show up next Sunday in the parking lot. So if you find yourself next Sunday up here in the parking lot forgetting that next Sunday is Freedom Sunday and no church, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, okay? So y'all just have your own church service there uh, in the parking lot, okay? And uh, be sure you report in how many you have so we can add that to our account. Anyway, um, we, uh, we continue our, our series on, on the book of John. And, um, and what we're doing all throughout this year is we are looking at the life of Jesus uh, and his teachings. And we're also looking at the life that he calls us to as uh, as his followers, as his disciples, as his students, as his methetes, and uh, is the Greek word, and it's the you know it's the word picture of just being you know following your teacher so close that you're literally covered in the dust of his sandals. And so we want to uh, follow Jesus. We want to listen to Jesus. We want to uh, e- you know eavesdrop on these conversations that he's having throughout the uh, throughout the Gospel of John to learn more about who Jesus is and the life that he calls us to. And here in John chapter 10, we've been in here in this chapter for a few weeks now. Um, and what, what Jesus does in John chapter 10, remember, he's a brilliant teacher. Um, and he understands that uh, many uh, of his audience, of his Jewish audience, they're going to recognize Psalm 23. And so what he does is he tethers himself to the shepherd that's talked about in Psalm 23. And in and, and Psalm 23, it you know, opens up that the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, it's the shepherd is the one that takes us to still waters and calm places. That it's a shepherd who restores our weary and lonely and aching and painful, pain, painful hearts. It's, it's the shepherd that is with us, that we have the promise of his presence, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And he walks with us through the valley of shadow of death when life seems to be falling apart. It's the shepherd that provides for us even when we're surrounded by our enemies and that is the shepherd that his goodness and and comfort is with us every day of our lives and you see the shepherd to the sheep was someone who took care of everything 
Remember, all throughout the Bible, the Bible calls us, Jesus' followers, sheep, okay? And that's not a real, you know, it sounds really sweet, um, but, uh, but it really wasn't a compliment because sheep were stupid, all right? And sheep couldn't take care of themselves. They, they were forgetful. They would wander off. They would, uh, you know, they would fall over uh, and not be able to get back up on their feet and, and end up dying. If they, so the shepherd had to do everything for them and what we kind of, talked about last week is that the shepherd does everything, that the shepherd is not a consultant, okay? That that we don't have the the shepherd, we don't have Jesus on retainer and that we, you know, only tap into his resources when we have a problem, okay? That the shepherd is is not a closer. We don't, you know, we don't do, uh, you know, eight and a third of, uh, of all the work and then we bring in Jesus for the final two outs, Okay, the shepherd is not a partner. This isn't a partnership. This isn't, you know, Jesus does half and, and we do half, but the shepherd does everything for his sheep, which means a sheep, you and, I have, you and I have to be dependent upon Jesus for everything. And we don't like that because we want to take matters into our own hands. We want to provide for ourselves. We want to be in control. We want to be in charge. But the shepherd takes care of everything for his sheep. The shepherd is the one who pulls, you know, who puts his arms around his, his sheep and, and, and tells them that he's here and he calms their, their soul. And he, he's the one who tells them to cast all, their, all, all of our cares and worries and anxiety on him because he cares for us. And, and he really is the shepherd that every single one of us long for. But the problem is, too many times you and I put these shepherd expectations on the people around us. We want somebody, we desperately want somebody to take care of us, to take care of everything, to be in control, to to oversee things. We want that deep down. And so what we do is we end up putting those expectations on those around us. We, on our friends, our family, our spouse, our kids, our parents, our coaches, our boss, our employees, that we cast these shepherd expectations on people who were never wired to be our shepherd. Or, as we've already alluded to, sometimes we'll just, you know, take matters into our own hands and we'll be our own shepherd because we don't trust any, you know, anyone to truly take care of us. And, and we don't, you know, and even if we did, we're not going to like the way they do it. So, you know what, forget about it. I'll just do it myself. I'm going to save me some time and I'm not going to depend on anybody. But, but here's the deal. Until we realize that only Jesus could be the true shepherd that takes care of everything in our lives and walks with us and calms our, our, our weary souls and takes us to calm places and, and, and restores our, our soul and protects us and walks with us, until we realize that, we will have this sense just right underneath the current of our lives of this restlessness, of this little little worry, this little anxiety, this, this unhappiness, this discontent with life. And here in John chapter 10, Jesus tethers himself to this shepherd that everybody longs for. And he says, I am not only the good shepherd, but I'm the one true shepherd that your hearts have been searching for. And so three things about this 
passage, three reasons why that Jesus is the good and true shepherd. Let me just give them to you up front, and, uh, and then we'll kind of unpack them as we go along. Um, but the true shepherd gives himself completely for a sheep. And that, that's good news, and we're going to see the reason why. But the true shepherd gives himself completely for his sheep. The true shepherd also completely knows his sheep, and we're going to rest in that in a little bit. And the true shepherd is completely God. And we're going to have to deal with that statement here in just a little bit. So the true shepherd gives himself completely for his sheep, completely knows his sheep, and is completely God. So if you have your Bibles this morning, John chapter 10 is where we are at. If you didn't bring your Bibles, we're going to put it up on the screen for you. You can pull it up on your phone. But John chapter 10 is Jesus continues to tether himself to the shepherd of the Old Testament. So John chapter 10, let's, uh, let's start in verse 14 this week. It says this. So Jesus is talking to this Jewish audience, and he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for, key word there, we talked about that last week, that that word for, it literally means instead of, okay, that I lay down my life instead of, I lay down my life as a substitute for my sheep. And I have other sheep that are, not in, that are not of this sheep pen, but I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. In other words, voluntarily, it's my decision to do that. And I have authority to lay it down, but I also have the authority to take it up again. That's huge. And this command I received from my father. So the true shepherd gives himself completely for his sheep. Now, now there are some great shepherds in the Bible, okay? Um, in fact, this is one of the reasons why I love what our kids ministry, the, the material, the curriculum that they use, they talk about the Old Testament and they point every Old Testament character back to Je- you know, towards Jesus. That, that every Old Testament story, there is a, there's something in the story, there's someone in the story that points us to Jesus. And there are some great shepherds in the Old Testament. Jacob was one of these great shepherds. And, and we see Jacob and he, um, and he had this relationship with God, this faith in God. He wrestles with God, literally wrestles, walks with a, a limp for the rest of his life because of it. But he's a shepherd and he's watching over his father-in-law's sheep. And he makes this commitment to his father-in-law that, you know, if, not if, but when I lose one of your sheep, I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to pay for it with my own funds. So we have Jacob there. Moses. Moses is another really good shepherd. He's out tending the flock of his father-in-law. I don't know what it was about, you know, father-in-laws and their son-in-laws, you know, uh, back then. It's just like either they were like, well, I'm going to make sure my daughter never sees this guy. I'm going to put him out in the pasture, you know, or maybe he really trusted him, man. This is all my wealth, you know, it's tied up in my sheep, one of the two. But, um, but Moses, he, he's a shepherd watching over the flock of his father-in-law. Good shepherd, but, uh, but not the true shepherd. And then we see David, you know, King David. But before he was king, he was a shepherd boy. And the Bible tells us that, um, that there would be times, there would be nights that lions and tigers and bears, thank you, um, were... Um, would come after and take one of the sheep and then David would go and, and he would kill uh, the, the, the lions and the bears that would take his sheep. 
And so, you know, still a good shepherd, but really didn't lay down his life. He risked his life, but didn't lay down his life. Only Jesus, the true shepherd, lays down his life for his sheep, and he lays it down voluntarily. And Jesus here is talking about death. Now, so let's just talk about death for a moment. Because death is an intruder. Death was never part of God's original design in the Garden of Eden and creation. But because of sin, death enters into the world. Death's an intruder. Death, death is um, an executioner. Death is our enemy. But, but death only has a claim on sinners. The Apostle Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death. It's what we earn. It's what we deserve. And, and, and death, we have physical death and we also have spiritual death. And that death comes after any and every sinner as his victim. But Jesus was not a victim of death. Jesus says, I'm the one who lays down my life and no one takes it from me. I do it voluntarily. You see, Jesus or death did not have a claim on Jesus because Jesus never sinned. And so death... And Jesus never sinned. So death is this traumatic separation of the, the body uh, and the soul. And because death couldn't come after Jesus, Jesus went after death and dealt with death once and for all. I mean, that would be the part that, you know, if we were uh, kind of a charismatic audience, y'all would say, amen, you know, or that's right. Or, you know, but, uh, but you know, we're calm and we're reserved and I get it. it it's who we are. Um, but I get pretty fired up about that. that. That death could not come after Jesus, could come after us. All right, we're, we're death victims because we're sinners. Death could not come after Jesus. So Jesus went after death and defeated death once and for all. Amen. There we go, there we go. Now you're making a preacher feel good. But this really isn't about me, this is about us. This is about get, getting this in our souls. And letting, knowing that this is a difference maker in our lives. And physical death is only a picture of spiritual death. And spiritual death is the soul being, being separated from God for eternity. And so Jesus went to the cross is only a good and true shepherd would. And he ripped his soul from his body and he experienced the agony and the pain of being separated from his father for us. That Jesus went to the cross as the true shepherd and laid down his life and took on all the wrath of God of a holy God, all of the punishment of a righteous God, all the anger of, of a holy and righteous God. He took it upon himself. Jesus on the cross was forsaken so that you and I can be accepted. On the cross, Jesus was, 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 was removed from the spirit of God, from the presence of God, so that we could be ushered in to the presence of God, not based on our own merit or anything that we, we can do or will do for God, but simply based on faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. He was rejected so that we could be accepted. And no one made Jesus do this. That's what, that's what he means when he says, I, nobody takes my life, but I lay it down from my own accord. 
And the reason why he does it and did it is the depth of his love for us. It's the depth of his love for us. And maybe, I know we have, you know, point two and point three to get to, and so we don't have time to do this, but maybe this could just be the direction that we go personally in our, in our relationship with Jesus during the week. Is maybe we just start with a Google list and Google the love of God. And we just print out every verse that talks about the love of God. And then we start looking that up. And we start highlighting all the verses that the Bible talks about how much God loves us. And we start to say, God, I, I, I know that you love me um, because, you know, the Bible says so. And I've sung about it since I was a kid. But, but God, I, want to, I don't want to just know cognitively. I, I don't want to just know religiously. I want to know personally. I want to know the depth of your love for me. I want to know how deep and how high and how long and how wide your love is for me. And when we step into that arena, it's the only natural outflow of that is everything we do after that as a Christian will be out of gratitude. Because we'll start to see just the vastness, the, how the depth of his love for us. That's the reason why. Jesus did it. And so no one else would lay down their life for us. They'll do a lot of things for us, but nobody's laying down their life for us. So let's quit looking for another shepherd out there and let's go to the one true and good shepherd and his name is Jesus. Amen? So point number two, the true shepherd completely knows his sheep. Now let's just get ready to rest in this for a moment. That the true shepherd completely knows his sheep. Now, not only does Jesus give himself to us in a way that no one else can, but he knows us completely, and we need to rest in that. Because deep down, we're wired for community, and, and, and deep down, we, we long to be truly known, but we don't dare let anybody truly know us, do we? We long to truly be known, but we don't dare let anybody truly know us because we're afraid that if people knew us completely, if they knew the real me, that they won't like the real me. There, there are days that I feel like, okay, if you knew the real me, if you knew the thoughts that went through this head right here, if you knew the things that I could plan and the things that I'm capable of doing, you wouldn't be sitting here right now. I, I, I'm, I'm, that's not preacher speak. I, I mean, that's true. But we, we, we are so scared for people to know the real us. But here's the deal. Transparency is the key when it comes to love. And if we can't be transparent, then we can never really experience being completely loved. And every one of us has this dilemma inside of us that we desperately want to be known, but we are also desperately afraid of being known. Because we don't think they'll like the real me. You know, I got to sit down with a friend this week and just really talk about my insecurities as a leader. And, and talk about, okay, you know, this is kind of what's going on in my heart and this is what's going on in my head and here are some, um, some weaknesses that I'm seeing and what do you see? And can we begin a conversation about this? 
And I was really nervous about that conversation. We just only scratched the surface because, again, I, I don't want to show the real me, how incompetent the real me is. But it did feel good to expose some of my insecurities and some of my weaknesses. See, we live in fear that people will see the real us and they'll see our imperfections and shortcomings and flaws. And as a result, we're filled, filled with this little, this fear, this anxiety, this worry, this, this insecurity that lives just under the surface of our lives. And it causes us to put up this facade for people. And, 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 and you know, people love the facade, but we're afraid that if we let them see behind the facade, they're going to reject us. But here's the deal. Here's where we can rest. Jesus knows everything about us. He knows, he knows every thought. He knows every deed. He, he knows everything that we've done in our past, and here's the deal. He knows everything we will think about and do and say in the future. He completely knows us, and he completely loves us. You say, well, I mean, how do, how do we know that, I mean, I know that sounds all good, but how do we know? Well, Jesus says that, that just as I know the Father and the Father knows me, so we need to ask the question of Scripture. Okay, how well does Jesus know God and God, the Father and Father know the Son pretty darn well? And if they know each other that well, and then Jesus turns around and says, that's how much I know my sheep. So he knows everything that we've ever done and everything we ever will do, and he completely knows us, and he completely loves us anyway. And we've never been loved like that by anyone. And so let's just sit in that. Let's rest in that. Let the peace settle into our hearts and our minds, and let that just eat away at the insecurity and the anxiety and the worry, because, yes, it does hurt when we're rejected by friends or by a job or an employer or, or whoever, but, but if we can hang on to the gospel and we know that nothing says I'm more accepted and approved and significant and loved than the Son of God dying for me. Nothing says I'm more loved. So yeah, that does hurt, but man, I know that there's at least one person in this world who completely knows me and he completely loves me. So let's rest in the truth that God knows me completely and he loves me completely. God knows me completely, and he loves, and he completely loves me. Let's just, let's just read this together for a moment, okay? Let's say it out loud. God knows me completely, and he completely loves me. Let's say it again. God knows me completely, and he completely loves me. Now, I know you're just saying it because I've asked you to, and I appreciate that as a communicator. But maybe we could take a screenshot of that. Let me get out of the, let me get out of the frame there. But... Or maybe we can write that down and we can just keep coming back to that and say, okay, my, the creator of the universe, he, he knows me completely. He knows everything about me and he still completely loves me. And let's just settle in that. And so could we just be honest enough with ourselves and honest enough with God, you know, to say, to admit that we're sinners and, and, and we, don't, we don't need a partner. We don't, we don't, we don't need a consultant. We don't, we don't need a closer. We need a savior. And thank God we have a savior who, who knows us completely and loves us completely. And he laid down his life and we didn't deserve it. It's not based on our merit. It's not based on our potential. It's not based on anything that we can do for him. It's all based on his complete love for us. And let's rest in that. 
Let's rest in that we have a God who loves us completely. And here's the last point, and then Caleb will come, and they'll lead us in a, in a time just to respond. But the true shepherd is completely God. So jump down to verse 30. And Jesus is talking here. And he says in verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. In other words, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm, I, I'm, I'm basically Jesus saying, I'm God. And again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. In other words, every miracle Jesus did was to point people to the Father. Every miracle Jesus did was to show that not only does he have authority over the physical world, he also has authority over the spiritual world. Not only can he do something about our physical ailments, and that's good, but he also has the authority to do something about what ails us spiritually, and that's sin, and that's great. He says, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And they replied, we're not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus says, he and the Father are one. And the Jewish leaders went ballistic, and they wanted to execute him. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not lack anything. See, Caleb, why don't you and the band come and get ready to just lead us. Here's what this means. Is that Jesus, he wasn't just a good man or a good teacher or or a prophet, but he was God. And that God is the good shepherd and the true shepherd. And he has the authority to do something about our sin. And and the the good news about about the one true God is that he didn't wait for mankind to to work their way to him. He didn't give us a set of rules and said, hey, you know, keep these and, you know, you'll eventually earn your way into my presence. You know, good luck. He came and he did it for us. He fulfilled everything according to the law for us. So that all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus and what he did for us. Now here's what this means, that Jesus is God, the God of the universe. And how he tethered himself to Psalm 23. And everybody in this culture knew, knew what a shepherd did. But, but here's what a shepherd did. In this first century Eastern culture, the shepherd would walk in front of his flock to lead them and guide them. Not, not in our Western mindset of a cattle drive and pushing the flock forward, but he would lead. And then the shepherd would find a green pasture. And he would go down into the green pasture and he would, he would look for any snake holes because these fields had poisonous snakes, and, and uh, the snakes, as the sheep were grazing in the, uh, in the grass, the snake would come out, and the poisonous snake would bite the sheep on the nose, and the sheep would die. And so the shepherd would go out and look at all the snake holes, and he would pour oil around the snake hole to repel the snake and keep the snake inside the hole. The shepherd would keep watch over the flock at night to watch for any predators. During the day, he would watch over the flock. And, and, and every now and then, a sheep will, will stop eating and just lock eyes on the shepherd. And the shepherd would, would leave his perch 
and come down and get on his hands and knees and put his arms around the around the sheep and just love on that sheep and call that sheep by name and remind that sheep of his presence, that he's watching over him, that he's in charge of everything. He's taking care of everything. Don't worry, little lamb. And he would do that until that sheep would just walk off or start grazing again. That's the one true God. That's who our shepherd is. And he laid down his life for us to save us from our sin. That's how much he loves us. The God of the universe knows your name, knows you completely, and he loves you completely. And he says, I'll prove it. And he did for us what only he could do. He's the one good and true shepherd. And his name is Jesus.